Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s, from great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and this is Motherhood Talk Radio and this is one of our best listened to episodes of the year. This is our Summer Romance Spectacular. Uh, This month we're going to be showcasing great romance authors so that you can pick up their books for trips to the beach, trips on the airplane, or just a relaxing afternoon in the tub, which is my favorite place to read a great romance novel. So much with Calgon Take Me Away. I'm like, romance author, take me away. And we're going to visit today with four different authors. We're going to visit with Marianne Evans, Lisa Belcastro, Alice Eakes, and Katie Lee. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Marianne Evans. Now she is a multi-award winner author of Christian romance and fiction with over 20 titles to her credit. Her hope is to spread the faith-affirming message of God's love through the stories that he prompts her to create. I like Marianne because she's from my old stomping grounds in Michigan. I used to live there. That's where I started my broadcast. <laughs> Casting career many, many years ago. And she's got a picture of her in a big cornfield. So you are near and dear to my heart. Marianne Evans, <laughs> welcome to the show. But you didn't think oh. that would be in your intro. I did not. That is so cool to hear. Whereabouts, Sandra? Uh, Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo, the west side. I love the west side of Michigan. It's so gorgeous there. It is so beautiful. And the one thing that I loved about when you put your Marianne Evans picture up with the rainbow, you know, the rainbow picture is nice, but it tells a much bigger story. And so many of our romance novel authors are not from major cities. They're not New York City, you know, with a million publishing friends. So much in the romance genre is mothers of two you're a mother of two writing Mm -hmm. books to entertain and enlighten and educate us and make us feel good and Mm -hmm. you know you're not some big fancy anything you just wrote a great book I'm down home as down home as they can be I've been a mitten girl as I like to say with our Michigan mitten um, all my life And just love it here. And, yeah, the rainbow picture you're talking about, which is on my website, um, MarianneEvans.com, is actually the day or the evening, I should say, that I found out I had sold my very first book. So that was kind of, I always looked at it as an omen or a a message from God saying, way to go, girl, you're on the right path, let's go. (laughs) Haven't looked back since. (laughs) That's so important because so many of us have dreams of writing books or writing stories or writing mysteries, writing thrillers. And I look at your picture and, you know, and there's a little barn in the background and I'm, I'm real partial to barns. I love barns. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're such a part of Americana. You know, they speak Americana in a way that no other picture does. And when I look at your picture, I think of God's country, you know, just 
there's so much to this picture, and I encourage everybody to go on MarianneEvans.com and look out what I'm talking about. It's under Marianne Evans, because you give the rest of us hope that we can do it, too. Well, and here's the thing. It's all about keeping it real. Um, I think what you'll find is that most of the authors you're going to come into contact with, even those I would even hazard to say who are even they've achieved, you know, some some nice sales numbers and rankings, you know, people are buying their books, getting the message, you're going to find they're just, they're real people. They're, they're just, you know, they're not, you know, trancing around like divas and, you know, we're all just kind of basic homebodies. We love our family, our friends, you know, with me, it's such a huge part of my, my journey and my mission is family and friends and faith. And I love the idea, as you mentioned, of just making, making people feel good. And, um, I love that message in my books. I've always been such a fan of a really good love story, a good, a movie that, that highlights a good romance because, you know, people will say that's so trite and cliche and everything. I'm going, you know what, well, how can that be when it celebrates what's best about us? You know, it celebrates that joy and that tummy tickle and the happiness we all feel when we fall in love. And that's beautiful. So I think it's so much fun to be able to spend some time in my life writing about it and sharing it with readers and that kind of thing. So well, and I call it the like wife marriage preservation act. That's what romance writers do because there's all of us that crave, especially after a long marriage, we crave that excitement. We crave that newness. Now we don't want to go out and train in our husbands. Like, don't get me wrong, but you right, can, right. you can experience all this in a really great book. You know, you can fall in love with a character and still keep your marriage vows intact, you know, mm-hmm. and have that, you know, the one thing I love about a great romance story is when you have that thrill that, you know, the first look, first glance, first kiss, first touch, whatever it is, mm-hmm. there's a magic to that. And a really good romance writer like yourself can bring that and breathe new life sometimes into a stale relationship. Well, and it's funny you put it in in those exact terms because part of one of my best-selling books, Devotion, is about the the testing by fire of a Christ-centered, of a very Christian-based marriage. These two people are married. They are in love with each other without even a blink or a backward glance until all of a sudden the day-to-day reality of life, which is what we all go through, happens to pull them apart almost unwittingly. They are, um, you know, the heroine is very much involved in her church and, and wonderful activities and service projects and community service. Um, her husband is an agent who is trying to bring a Christian message to the entertainment industry, talk about a daunting task, and he's got the skills to do it. But their marriage falls into temptation. And part of the reason that I wrote this book, it's because it's funny you mentioned it, is I got an email from a reader who said, I love romances. I love that they can take you away and take you to this beautiful relationship. But she said to me, what about the reality of a relationship, a committed relationship in a marriage where that marriage has stumbled onto some really tricky waters and a testing that, that you just don't know if you can overcome it. And she gave me the seeds for that book that I never would have even contemplated writing until she brought it up and I started thinking about these characters that I kind of had in my heart and in my head. 
And they took off from there because God just said, okay, here's the message. Go for it. <laughs> so it's funny you say that because you know what? It's it's also about, again, keeping it real. People, you want to be able to relate to it. Oh, I've seen that struggle. I can relate to what she's going through. And, oh, look at what they did. Isn't it wonderful how they came out the other side? You know, it isn't all just, you know, the hopeless black. It's It's the wonderful shades of, you know, when you live with somebody for a long time and you're committed to them, you're going to get life in all its colors, right? <laughs> right. Well, and I think that's where, like, romance novels, if they're done properly, can be the greatest self-help book because they can inspire hope. They can You can look at these characters, and yes, they're characters in a book, and they're not real. I get that. But their actions can inspire you to do some of the same things in your own marriage, which is why, you know, I look at your your tagline here, which is faith affirming fiction. It's mm-hmm. stories that are going to enhance your life, not detract from them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yet always entertain and give you hope. But yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's an important part of, you know, I've, I've, I admire the, the rundown of authors you have. They are all one fans of every one of them, by the way. <laughs> oh, there's not a clinker in the it. bunch, Marianne. Oh, you gosh, and everybody else fabulous. are. And, and they all, I think they all share that commonality, that that's the beauty of it is, is just being able to share that, that hope. And maybe people will read our books and feel like, you know what? I can get through this. I can do this. It lifts them up. So, well, in their covers, like in this is, I'm going to say this from a mother, a, you know, a, a mother in a traveling standpoint. I'm a single mother and I have elementary school age kids. Mm-hmm. I do not want my kids seeing me read a smutty cover, you know, and, I, you know, I it's, get it. How do you teach this? You know, and I don't want to read smut. And honestly, I mm-hmm. want to read a good romance. There's a difference between erotica and romance and that your books are books I can bring to the beach and I can put down on the beach blanket and be okay with anybody who sees them and you can't say that about a lot of romance novels today mm-hmm. yeah that's true that's very true and it's it's something I, and I've I've actually written um my in my that first sale picture that you talked about with the rainbow was actually to um a Kensington Publishing and it was for their um contemporary romance line Precious Gem and I just and their covers were always tasteful and beautiful, and I loved them, and I always felt good about them. But, you know, as as I came along into what I really felt like I was called most to do, it became Christian. You know, it, it I wanted to reflect more of my, my own faith walk and my, my what's in my heart as far as my, my Christian worldview goes. And so, you know, I hooked up with Pelican Book Group, which is just a fantastic publisher. I cannot say enough nice things about the staff, the, from stem to stern, it's just a great publisher. And I've really built over the past five years, quite a relationship with them. And, um, a sequel, so to speak, is coming out to devotion called forgiveness that features a couple of the characters you meet offside in devotion that are going to have their own story to overcome and, and to, to explore. And, it's about um, alcohol and recovery from alcohol and physical and emotional abuse. 
Well, so, and if you want to learn more about Marianne Evans, you can go to MarianneEvans.com. That's E-V-A-N-S. You can check out her books. There's over 20 of them. The book Forgiveness that she's talking about, Even Sinners Have a Future, is about country music bad boy Chase Bradington, and he's on a comeback trail. So if this is something that interests you, if faith-affirming fiction is what you're all about, you're going to want to pick up Marianne Evans' books for your great summer reads. We're going to come back from from the break and we're going to visit with Lisa Bell Castro, another great romance author. As Marianne Evans said, every single woman contributing to this summer romance spectacular is just that spectacular. MarianneEvans.com, check her out. You're going to want to find her new book Forgiveness, her current book Devotion. We'll be back after the break with Lisa Bell Castro. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. Got my dreams, got my life, got my love. Got my friends, got the sunshine above. Why am I making this hard on myself when there's so many beautiful reasons I have to be happy? Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. cats in U.S. households than any other pet. Most allurophiles or cat owners know that unlike dogs, taking Kitty for a ride in the car isn't any fun. I mean, you never see a cat hanging its head out the window, enjoying the breeze. Today's domestic cat is descended from a small Mid-Eastern wildcat. A group of kittens is called a kindle, and a group of adult cats is a clouder. What's the word for those dust balls composed entirely of cat hair? Fluffernugans. Personally, I like pigs better than either cats or dogs. Dogs are subservient and look up to man. Cats are aloof and look down on man. A pig, however, will look you in the eye and see as equal. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hey! 
Okay, ladies, this is Sandra Beck. And for those of you that missed the first segment, we were visiting with MarianneEvans.com. Check her out. We're now meeting with Lisa Belcastro. Now, Lisa's kind of a unique romance author. In all the years I've interviewed romance authors, I've never interviewed one that completed a marathon in all 50 states. So I know that has nothing to do with her books. Her books are great. Her website, if you want to follow along, is LisaBelcastro.com. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, Sandra. Thanks so much for having me. I, you know, anybody who loves chocolate and marathons at the same time just kind of wins my heart. Well, I think it certainly helps to uh, to run run when I love chocolate as much as I do. (laughs) Well, and it's funny to me because when I think of romance authors, I think of, you know, I think of you in Martha's Vineyard and strolling around with the beautiful views and writing these beautiful stories. I don't think of a romance author pounding the pavement training for a marathon. It's like writing is such a sitting (laughs) position. And here you are like the Energizer Bunny running in all 50 states. Oh, and I can even really freak you out because I actually, especially during the winter months, I run on the treadmill at the gym. And so I bring my work, I bring the previous day's writing printed out in a binder to the gym and then I edit while I'm running. And uh, so I will be sitting there with a pen in hand, the printed paper out, the chapter of the previous day in front of me, and I will be editing and writing and making notes and then making notes for the days for the chapter that I'm going to work on that day while I'm actually running on the treadmill. (laughs) So you slow down when you're at, because I'm fascinated by this. I read a lot of manuscripts. You know, I I get a lot of books in my thing and I'm pretty good on the exercise bike, you know, because that to me, I can seem to write and edit on an exercise bike, but you got to give me a tip for running and writing on the treadmill. Um, well, I don't slow down. I, I tend to keep the same pace. So I, I don't know. I think it, it, it's certainly a skill that I acquired as I got used to it. But, you know, just, the, the, you know, average treadmill has that propping area for something. Right. You know, I just grab the front of the treadmill when I need to make a note and balance myself a little bit. And just now, mind you, the Lord would have to help anyone else who wanted to actually interpret what I'm writing. But I've <laughs> learned <laughs> I've learned what my penmanship when I'm running looks like compared to what it looks like on the day to day. And every now and then I go, I have no idea what I wrote, but that's not too often. <laughs> well, that's hilarious. And I'm, I'm just going to challenge you to do a YouTube video. And if you do a YouTube video so I can see that in action, I will promote it on the air because one of the things that I think most of us struggle with, especially with writing careers, is the amount of time you sit. So I would just die to see you doing that so I could model after you. And, you know, I just, I'm really impressed. I want to, I want to thank you for that and giving me the hope. And when I like fly off the treadmill and break my back, I'm coming after you. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) So I got to ask you, what's with the word Shenandoah? It appears in your books. I'm going to read the names. You know, we've got Shenandoah Christmas, Shenandoah Dreams, Shenandoah Crossings, Shenandoah Nights. Did that word come to you in a prayer, in an inspiration? Where did that come from? So the Shenandoah is actually a ship, and it is anchored on and in the harbor at Martha's Vineyard in Vineyard Haven. And the books, the I have two series, a contemporary romance series, which is the Dream for Love, Possible Dream series, and then the Winds of Change series, which is all historical fiction, which is all of the Shenandoah books. The Shenandoah is the ship that the book, you know, it, the books center around. I mean, they're, they're either sailing or, you know, it, during the American Revolutionary War, I put the Shenandoah in the war. It really wasn't. But I, I take some liberty there. So the Shenandoah is a real ship. 
And on the cover of all of the books is actually uh, seen different pictures of the Shenandoah, whether she's in full sail or or what. And the unique thing about it is I got the idea to write the Shenandoah books while I was a parent chaperone during a student cruise. All five schools on the vineyard have the opportunity to go for a week-long sail aboard the Shenandoah. And they do it in the summer. And the kids go out. There's absolutely no electricity on the Shenandoah. She's a she's a true tall ship, a, a sail, sailing ship. And the kids learn what it was like to be sailing 200 years ago. And everything they have to do between Washington, everything, everything they do is like they were alive in the 18th century. And I was one of the chaperones. And I was like, wow, it'd be so cool if you could just like pick the ship up and put it back in 1775, 1776, because I love the American Revolutionary War time period. That's my favorite point in history. And so then I started to make some notes when I was chaperoning and just start, you know, I was taking lots of pictures of the ship and making notes. And at this point, I had finished my master's in creative writing, but I hadn't actually ventured into that world. I'd worked for years as a journalist. And I just came home and I started writing. And then the next summer, I chaperoned again and spent a week on the ship only this time I had chapters with me, and then I started to write more and more and more and make more notes, and Shenandoah Nights is the first book in the series, and that the whole, the whole trip inspired what's now going to be a 12-book series. Well, and I love that. I love the history behind these books because, you know, when I looked at your books, I'm like, okay, well, she clearly digs ships and, you know, I like ships and I like water and I'm like, well, that's good. But, you know, I don't have time to read, you know, five of your novels or four of your novels. And, but I definitely could see this theme. And the one thing is if you are a ship lover or if you, like, I remember as a little girl, my parents would take me out, uh, you know, to Nantucket and out to the different shores and we'd look at the ships, the tall ships would come in and, you know, if you really dig that, if that moves you emotionally, these are books you're going to want to get. Oh, absolutely. And and the sailing is is part of it. It's it's not. A, I mean, the the ship is really a, a portal. And you know, much of much of the book does take place either on the ship or on land, either on Martha's Vineyard or in Colonial Boston. And it's um, yes, if you if you love sailing, if you love history, if you love the American Revolutionary War time period, the Winds of Change series, the Shenandoah books are definitely definitely going to be up your alley. The Possible Dream series is contemporary and definitely not on the Shenandoah, not on a ship at all. But um, they're both they're 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 equally fun. I enjoy being able to switch back and forth between two different worlds. Well, and I like sets. Like, I like when an author writes four or five books, like, you know, either in a series or in a theme, because I'm someone who will buy all of them up front, you know, and bring them with me on a trip, because I want that, like, kind of whole experience. And if you feel that, you know, this is a romantic setting, I know some people find the future romantic, some people find certain parts of the past romantic, but if you want a great story, and, you know, and you're attracted to this, you know, I just immediately like your stuff, Lisa, when I went to your website, it's lisabelcastro.com, because there were maps there. And I love maps. Maps, to me, tell so many stories. And and if people are like-minded like you and me, I think they're going to love your books. Oh, I hope so. I, I had, I've had so much fun with them. And just, it's, it's amazing to me how stories, you have this one concept, and then it just takes off. And, and as you said, I, I too love a series. I mean, I like to get involved with characters and be a part of their families and their lives and, you know, watch their children grow up. And I, I really enjoy that. I, and 
although all of the books focus on a different couple, the other characters intertwine through that. And I just, I love that. I, I, I love just revisiting whenever I pick up the book. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go spend time with the Roberts family again because they're part of my family. Well, and that's it. That's so much part of the experience in a series is, you know, the, the most heartbreaking thing to me in most books is I fall in love with these characters and then it ends. And then they're gone. Yeah. And I want to know, why did you have kids? If you did, how many did you have? Was one premature? Did one have red hair? You know, and then what about your grandbabies? How, you know, because a really well-drawn character and your characters are really well-drawn become part of you. You know, books to me are like old friends, which is why I have such a hard time, you know, giving books away. I mean, I'm better at it because with the radio show, I would be buried, you know, in books. <laughs> but there are times when I like, I'll take a picture of the cover or I'm a big Kindle reader. So if I can get it on Kindle, I will so I can keep it. Um, but really well-drawn characters are important. And especially if you're going to interwine them. Now, I know we only have three minutes to break, but I just want to ask a question about the Shenandoah series. When you were creating it, did you have these other books in mind? And did you know where the characters were going to go? Or did that just evolve through your writing process? You know, it evolved through the writing process. I actually, I only planned to write the one book because it came into my mind. And then when I was signed to my publishing contract, they asked if I would write, if I would do a trilogy. And I, and I just literally sitting there in the meeting said, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> I, had, I had no idea what the other two books were going to be. But, you know, as, as soon as I said it, it was, you know, within 24 hours, I had the idea and I, and I, you know, emailed the next day and said, Hey, I, this is the thought for the next two books. What do you think? And they're like, yep, go ahead. Great. Let's do it. We want them, you know, nine months apart, et cetera, et cetera. I said, yep, no problem. And of course, then having written the trilogy, then I got some other ideas. And like I said, now it's the, there's going to be 12 books in the series. Wow. That's so great. I, know. I could just see them on my bookshelf, like all lined up, like neat little soldiers. I just... <laughs> I love that. And I think, you know, your book design covers are great. And what I talked to Marianne Evans about in the first part of today's show was that these are books you can take on a picnic, you can take to the beach, and you can put the cover down and not be embarrassed. And, you know, so much of, well, especially if you got younger kids like I do, elementary school age, nosy rosies, you know, they want to see what you're reading. They want to see these. And, you know, this is, these are really cool. These are really great books. I, I'm just really thrilled to have you on the show. Oh, well, thank you so much. I, and I totally agree with you. I, I do not want what I'm reading for someone to look over and go, oh, is, boy, is that, that, that's probably really good, huh? And you just know where they're going. I just, I don't want that. You know, I, I, I love, I mean, I, I'll confess that even as an author, I tend to, when I'm browsing a bookstore, I buy books based on the cover. It's the first thing that draws me. And, you know, I, I want a pretty cover. I want a clean cover. You know, it can be a happy couple, but, you know, I want the people dressed and I want them in a nice setting and, you know, cute animals, cute puppies, cute kids, you know, that, all that works for me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, you guys, if you liked Lisa Belcastro today in today's interview, her Shenandoah series, there's going to be 12 of them. They are available uh, wherever books are sold. Shenandoah Christmas, Shenandoah Dreams, Shenandoah Crossings, Shenandoah Nights. She's got some other books. Um, you want to check out her website. 
website, Lisa Bell Castro. That's B-E-L-C-A-S-T-R-O.com. Lisa Bell Castro is the author of Shenandoah. You can Google just that name. Her books will come up. Her website, LisaBellCastro.com. When we come up from the break, we're going to talk with Alice Aches, and she has written some more great summer romance books. Lisa, thank you for coming on board today, literally and figuratively, and we'll be back again after the break. Thanks so much, Sandra. Oh, Lisa, you did great. Unfolds, challenge what the future's. Try and keep your head up to the sky. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. It's Virgin this year's Super Bowl will air in 180 countries, and with that infamous coin toss for one day, most people will toss out their New Year's resolutions to lose weight. The Super Bowl accounts for 7% of an entire year of chicken wing sales. 48 million Americans will opt for having food delivered, with pizza franchises seeing their sales double on game day. Domino's alone looks forward to selling over 11 million pizzas on Super Bowl Sunday. What's a word for food that contains unknown ingredients? Acompucky. Americans will eat over 100 million pounds of guacamole and 8 million pounds of tortilla chips on game day. What's a word for those folks who call in sick the morning after a little too much indulgence? Arfarfanoffs. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hey, 
Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and this is Motherhood Talk Radio. And for those of you that missed the first half of today's show, you can check us out on iTunes. We're there free and available for downloads. You can check us out at our host station, Toginet, that's T-O-G-I-N-E-T dot com. You can also find us on Motherhood Talk Radio. This episode and over 200 other hour-long episodes that feature everything that is interesting to modern mothers today, from faith-based Christian fiction to cookbooks, to self-help books. We've covered them all. We've interviewed the authors. And this is part of our Summer Romance Spectacular. You guys, if you've been listening to me a long time, you know that I love a good romance book. And I love a good romance book that I can carry around, throw on the beach blanket, not be embarrassed by the cover. I can learn something and be carried away, entertained, educated, enlightened, you name it. So we've got some of the best writers in the business today on today's show. We had Marianne Evans, Lisa Bell. Castro, and now we're going to welcome Alice Eeks. Now, if you guys are looking up Alice Eeks, you're going to want to go to her website. That's LaurieAliceEeks.com, and there's a little spelling challenge here because it's Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, Alice, A-L-I-C-E, and Eeks is spelled E-A-K-E-S. That's LaurieAliceEeks.com. She is our guest coming up. She has written some historical novels um, by, she's got a series of them. Her New Jersey Historicals has three uh, books the Glassblower, the Harris, and the Newcomer. The Midwife series is Lady in the Mist, Heart Safe Passage, Choices of the Heart. She's got a Daughter of Bainbridge House, Necessary Deception, Reluctant Courtship, The Cliffs of Cornwall, A Lady's Honor, A Stranger's Secret, and her Iowa historical, Better Than Gold. These are great books, great reads. She's She's got a, a, a really neat background. I'd like to welcome to the show today, Alice Eeks. Alice, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm so excited. I love talking to you girls each year. You know, it's so fun for me. I get exposed to, you know, different books. And um, I was really attracted to The Mountain Midwife because my technology company did a, uh, a um, they did a website for a midwife uh, company. And it was so neat to see, you know, in your Mountain Midwife, you know, some of the practices still, I don't know, it was just interesting. It was neat to me to, to go past and present. Um, and it's just, um, why did you chum up with the idea of, of creating a romance around a midwife? I've been fascinated by midwives since I was in grad school, and midwives, their role in history was my primary focus of research. And I um, got really interested and said, boy, there's some novels in here. And that led to my three historical novels with midwife heroines that you've mentioned. Thank you. And then I realized how important midwives have become in our modern culture, not so much here in the U.S., though it is growing, but over in Europe, it's pretty much de rigueur to get a midwife when you're pregnant. And in this country, they're becoming more and more popular. So I started looking into them and doing some research in modern midwives and reading about them and just I said yes this is there is so much potential here for stories about midwives what interesting lives they do and potentially lead well it is I mean it's an interesting career you know it's you know and it's it's ripe with stories you know you've got a woman coming in and helping different families so you know there's a there had to be a million directions you could go with this book oh absolutely and 
it probably won't be the only midwife, modern midwife story that I write because there are so many stories to tell. There is. There could be, a, you know, there could be, you know, obviously a whole series. You've got three already in the series. There could be a hundred in the series. Um, and I think it also gets to the heart of women as caregivers and as nurturers. And then most of us, uh, not everyone, but most of us that read romance novels tend to be mothers and we like to be carried away um, by a great story. And that's one thing that you have done very, very well is you've woven this great story within what can be seen as some pretty tough, you know, when I looked at first and I saw New Jersey historical, Iowa's historical, I kind of went, Ugh, because <laughs> I don't think of, you know, I think of New Jersey, I don't think of historical New Jersey. Historical New Jersey is really quite interesting. I didn't know until I started doing some research. I, I have a soft spot in my heart for New Jersey, but that's another very long story um, that I won't get into, but I do have a soft spot for New Jersey. And I found out they had a glass blowing industry in their hu in their history, and I said, "Wow, there is! I love glass blowing. I just it's it's something that has always fascinated. Blown glass objects, I think, are just such an a beautiful art form." Well, yeah. and I think that's why I trust you to bring me into that fold, because when you look at the, you know, that's why I brought it up on the show, because I didn't want people to get turned off going, oh, New Jersey historical or Iowa historical. Um <laughs> You know, because historical, we think of sweeping romances, you know, and the, you know, getting on a ship with a, you know, velvet dress. And, you know, I just thought you had a very unique perspective on historical. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I tried now, to. Let's, so we've talked about the Midwife series. We've talked a little bit about your New Jersey, Iowa historicals. Let's go over to Bainbridge for a minute. You have the Daughters of Bainbridge House. Can you talk a little bit about that series? This is a series of, it's classified as a regency because of the time period in which it is set, the, the Jane Austen style. And this is not really like a Jane Austen novel because I'm very much into mystery and adventure. So I have, I have spies and I have bad guys and villains and um, a, a, little, a little murder and mayhem, though I try not to be gory because I know people don't like to read about that. I know I don't tend to either. And the um, it's three sisters, and it's it's their lives and what happens in the first one. She's a widow who Lydia um, is a widow who ends up um, getting involved with a French um, spy catcher, and he's a good guy. Don't worry. <laughs> and the second one, um, the heroine is very much is scarred from a fire and she blames herself for it um and her dress caught on fire so her legs are scarred and she breaks up her off her engagement and it's basically a, a love restored and how they work through their issues while he is um trying to catch people who are destroying looms and so forth and these are all based on historic events that happened in the 1800s and 1812 in in england during that time period and the third one is the youngest sister who is always getting herself into trouble. She has great habit of, of falling for the absolutely wrong man. So when it comes to her, is he the wrong one or is he the right one? He thinks he's the wrong one this time. 
Interesting. And so when you come up with your ideas, do your characters just take on a life of their own or do you do you push them around and, and, and you know, how does your writing process work as the story unfolds? I like to plot but not real tightly. I don't go scene by scene. I know some people do. But I come up with a general idea based around an event or, as with the midwife books, a subject matter. And I do my research and, and find, you know, a great deal about what was going on at the time in history or even contemporary. I'm, it's amazing how much reading I did for The Mountain Midwife about Appalachia, even though I lived there for a while. Um, but I think after a while they start taking over. The characters, I have some vague ideas what they're going to be like, but I don't really get to know them until I'm into the story a few chapters, maybe you know, 50 to 100 pages, and see how they interact with other characters. And they do tend to take on a life of their own as they react and, and interact with the events of the story and other people. Well, and I love that you brought that up because, you know, some writers are really methodical. They plot everything out, a lot of these writing courses, and you are very successful, yet you don't seem to have this huge formula that you feel you have to follow. No, I don't. I have a very loose formula that helps me get started. I do like to know what my ending is going to be because I look at it as a journey that if you just set out on the road and you don't have any idea where you're going, you're going to wander around and you might end up at a dead end somewhere and that's no good. You know, we're stuck in a bog and I don't want that. So I do like to know where I'm going, what ultimately I want to happen and what the the ultimate goals are and I have to have know what their purpose character's purpose are but other than that I'm pretty loose in how I I make that happen Oh, that's fun. I mean, I, I like that's one of the reasons I like to do these author interviews, because not only are people looking for great summer reads, but usually writers are voracious readers. And so I know a good population of the listeners today are going to be fledgling writers or writers or people considering writing their first novel. And it's nice to hear that there are different kind of roads to the top of the mountain, if you will. Absolutely. Not everybody has the same method. I used to just sit down and start writing, but once I started having deadlines, that wasn't an option anymore. I had to have some kind of means to get to my goal a bit faster. Okay. Um, I'd like to uh, just wrap up with saying uh, thank you for being my guest today. The guest website, this is Alice Eeks, and her website is Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E, Alice, A-L-I-C-E, Eeks, E-A-K-E-S. She's got a bunch of books. They're they're spanning um, Iowa historical, New Jersey, midwives. We've got the daughter of Daughters of Bainbridge and the Cliffs of Cornwall. Now, when we come back, from the break, we're going to visit with Katie Lee. As promised, every single author included in this summer uh, romance spectacular has a lot of books to their credit. They are great ladies. They are great interviews. And when we come back from the break, we're going to visit with Katie Lee. And if you want to look up her website before we get to her segment, Katie Lee Books, Lori, um, I'm sorry, Alice Eeks under Lori Alice Eeks. Check her out. You're going to want to get her books as part of our great summer read, summer spectacular. We'll be back again after the break.
stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. I am beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can bring me down. I am beautiful in every single way. Yes, Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. If you have a lot of spizzerinctum or the will to win, and you have a strong desire to be a part of your favorite sports team, the National Hockey League might be for you. Did you know that if both goalies on an NHL hockey team are injured, anyone at the game is eligible to step in and play the part? Teams have resorted to using their coaches, team owners, and even their web designers to fill in for injured goalies. It's as simple as slipping into your breezers or hockey pants. The original hockey puck was made out of frozen cow dung. The fastest puck shot on record was clocked at 114 miles per hour. And I'd like to take this opportunity to send out a special thanks to the men and women of our armed forces serving our country around the world. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. You are beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can bring you down. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and this is Motherhood Talk Radio. And as promised, we are visiting with Katie Lee. Now, for those of you who want to look up her website and follow along as we talk about her great uh, summer reads, her website is Katie, that's K-A-T-Y Lee, L-E-E, books, B-O-O-K-S dot com. Now, Katie Lee is a Rita nominee, and she's the author of six published novels. She has some suspense uh, romances, and she's a native New Englander, so she's kind of near and dear to my heart. I love to visit with people from back home. And she is a homeschooling mom with three competitive swimmers. Now, that means she's got three kids. Now, I just have to share with this because every time I get to meet somebody on the air, Katie, I feel like I'm making a new friend. And you've got three kids and you're still managing to have a successful writing career and homeschooling, which is no great shakes. But share with the audience the ages of your kids because this is a pretty neat story. Okay, well, thanks for having me. Um, I have three teenagers. They are 13, 14, and 15 years old. I will say that I did not um, 
give birth to all three. Two of them I did. The middle one, my 14-year-old daughter, we adopted when she was five years old. We fostered her and adopted her. Actually, when she was six, the adoption went through. So she was with us about a year of fostering before the adoption went through. Now, Um, I just got to say, that is so cool because... I can see you. You write in your biography that you often write from the stands while cheering them on. I work from baseball and soccer, and you have it going on. I am so proud of you. I just want to say that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I try to fit writing in every single moment that I can and try my best not to miss their events when they're <laughs> diving into the pool. I, um, it's funny because my, my son especially will be yelling, Mom, Mom, when he's on the block getting ready to dive in. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh I almost missed it because I had to like, I got my head in my computer trying to write, you know, at the same time. So um, I do my best not to miss any of their events. Well, sure. and I think that that's really, you know, a tribute to modern motherhood because, you know, you're not on your phone on Facebook yet with friends and missing your kids events you are juggling in a very real way a career the needs of your family and you know that's something that's really inspirational because one of the things I will say Katie I do a lot of public appearances and people ask me like well how do you get it all done how do you do this how do you do that and it's like one hour at a time one 15 minute at a time like seriously in your writing career have you ever had a month just to contemplate your book and just do my book (laughs) (laughs) no that doesn't happen no that doesn't happen but um i do try to uh cut off a couple hours a day where i do tell my family okay from seven to nine tonight i'm in my room and i need to just focus on the book because i've got a deadline coming and i i can't miss my deadlines and um and i've given you all day i've taught you all day i've gone to all of your practices i've done everything of your you know you've had your your meals and everything and um the house is clean and i just need this time now to just have um to the, for the for uh, my book time and and they are they are uh, respectful of that they 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 love having me the rest of the time um so they are respectful of that and especially now as they're getting older teenagers and um they've got friends too so it's not so much knocking on my door anymore are you busy <laughs> what are you doing um so um they've got their own little things now too that keep them preoccupied during that time so that does help too Yeah, but I want to chime in here because I am a single mother. I'm a technology company owner. Yes, I do a radio show, uh, you know, a couple hours a week. But the most important thing is, like, my kids were in my office at toddler ages. I used to strap one in the car seat for a nap and the other one would be in the playpen. And I'd be sticking my foot and throwing toys in there, you know, (laughs) while I get my work done. Because as a single mom, there wasn't any other option. And I'm so supporting. And people always go, oh, that must have been so hard. Oh, your poor kids. Where is it written, Katie, that? we are to be available to our families 24 <laughs> seven. It's not, you know, it's like, not, and it's good for them too, because they, they, they learn how to be self-sufficient and not having me do everything for them. It no, is. I, I am here, but if they need help, but yeah, even just teaching like, like, like my kids, I'm teaching them how to make their own eggs and everything. And, and, and I don't want to do it. I just like stand back and let them, okay, this is what you're going to do next. This is what you're going to do next. I don't want to do it because I want them to be able to, to do this on their own without me having to do it for them, you know? So, well, whatever. and I think good families have good boundaries and I know you have to be good at this because you are not only mom, mm-hmm. your mom, the teacher, your mom, the professional writer, like you wear different roles in your household. Yeah. All day long. My, my little hats get switched around, but 
what I'm doing in the moment is what I'm doing. My mind cannot go to other things. I give my undivided attention to the task at hand. So if I am teaching geometry, this is what I'm doing right now. It's, it's not going to be geometry and cooking at the same time. It's going to be just giving my undivided attention to the person in front of me. And then it's, it's kind of a respect thing. I'm doing this for you right now, and um, I'm giving you my whole attention. You have me right now. And, and, and then when I go on to the next person... It's it, that that then transfers to them, you know, and so um, it makes it work by 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 me knowing though that I can't do it all at the same time, and just just taking the thing in front of me and working on this right now in front of me, and that's what I'm going to give it. Well, and I think that's why your books are so good because you know you can you can pull this off. I mean, I think women like you are an inspiration to other women out there to achieve their goals and not wait until their kids are grown or they're retired because that time may never come. Yep. And so to take and carve some time out for your dreams and to be successful at it, um, Katie, I really think is a great tribute to you. And I, I can't imagine why everybody would not want to run out today and buy your books, you know, because you remind me of like a romance version of the Harry Potter author who wrote it, wrote her books in a coffee shop. You know, there's lots of listeners today who are thinking about writing their own books. And, mm-hmm. you know, step one, I always tell if you're going to write something, you better love the genre you're writing in and read as much as you can. What is your best piece of advice for someone considering a writing career? Um, for me, it's, I have two, two uh, pieces of advice that I give to, to people who want to write. And one is first experience the world. Don't, um, don't just, you know, hear about it or read about it. Go out and try something new um, because you'll be able to take those experiences and they will come out in your writing and your writing will actually come alive and flourish and go deeper because you know exactly how something feels. Um, so def- definitely take the experiences that come your way and don't pass on them. Um, definitely take advantage of them. And the other thing I tell people is if you're going to, and this is anything, whatever you, your passion is, whether it's you know, being a writer or if you want to go out and be a, a nurse or something like that, um, um, own it. It is your passion. People can't support you and they can't respect you if you yourself are hiding it and um, not taking pride in it. So like for me, I wrote, I started writing in 2009. I didn't tell anybody that I was even doing this for a whole year. And when I even started coming, coming to tell people that, oh, I'm, I'm going to become a writer, I was really surprised at how many people uh, weren't supportive. But I had to ask myself, well, why aren't they supportive? And, I, and, and maybe, it's, maybe it's not so much them, but that I myself haven't owned it and haven't taken pride in it. So once I did that, then it's, it's a whole different um, response that you get from people when you show that you're actually proud of what you're doing. Well, and I think it's twofold. Like, you know, I'm going to chime in on this because I have the same same thing. You know, when I tell people, you know, I'm a single mom, soul supporting. I run a technology company. I have this thing. I have a book published. You know, I've got all these things. And you know, when I tell people what I'm doing, it it, it evokes like two different moods. You know, a if I'm not confident when I own it, I think you know it shows definitely. Yes. But two, I think when you reach and try for your dreams. Those who are either afraid to or don't want to or, and I'm just going to say it, are too lazy. 
or they're yeah, waiting yeah. for the perfect moment, mm-hmm. they are going to take the first easiest pot shot. Um, I remember the first pot shot that she shot at me uh, eight years ago when I started this radio career. They're like, you're a single mother, you own your own company, and you're going to be on the radio. Like, who's going to raise your kids? And I, I will never forget that I wanted to smack that mother, you know, who's going to be raising my kids. I am going to be raising my kids just because I choose one hour a day to do something else. Doesn't mean my children are going to be thrown into the foster care system and I'm going to be put in jail. Like, yes, right. But it feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, there are definitely people who are going to be haters and they're not, and that yourself, you have to turn, kind of turn back around and show that that's them. That, and that's an issue they have in their own life, and that's not you, um, and not a reflection of you. Um, and and I mean, it's so hard to know what you would do in that situation. But um, oh, I just stood there like a stump. Yeah, right, right. Well, it's hard to know when it comes at you like that. But it, it's almost like, well, I'm, maybe you can encourage that person that maybe what is your dream that you haven't gone after, and and let them kind of reflect, put it back on themselves of 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 uh, really where that remark is coming from. Well, and I think it's helpful to to talk about these things because everybody experiences at some point, you know, when you first started your career, you know, we're all nervous. We don't know if we can do this or we're not sure or it's new. And, you know, Mm -hmm. trying something new when you're not 10 years old has a whole different meaning to it. (laughs) Yes. For sure. You know? So your books. Okay. Um, You've got lots of books. So we've got Permanent Vacancy. We've got Sunken Treasure. We've got Grave Danger, Warning Signs. I mean, these are really cool, uh, suspense-filled topics. So um, when people pick up your book, and, you know, we've got about two minutes to the end of the show. When people pick up your book, what are they going to come away with? Okay. I like to say that my books um, stir and inspire the readers from the edge of their seats. Um, I say that because there's a lot of suspense. The suspense is going to drive the story and move the story along really fast. And, um, but I also, I, it is a romance, so there is uh, that couple coming together. They are clean romances. Uh, I tell anyone, like my kids, 11-year-olds, uh, they were 11-year-olds, they were, they were reading my books. You can share them with your kids. You can share them with your grandma. You can read them all together. Uh, so they are going to uh, come away with a, a clean romance in that as well as the, the inspirational message that goes along with it. So I, I always said I like to read exciting books, and I don't want to have to compromise my morals to read them because there are a lot of books out there that I felt like I was having to uh, sigh and say, okay, I, I'll look past that, you know, even though I, I really don't like that, just because I want the exciting book. Right. And we've got to skip those pages. i got to take us to the end of the show. Exactly. Katie Lee, okay. Right. We skip those or, yep. or exacto amount. Katie yep. Lee books. You do not have to take an exacto knife to her book or a black marker or rip those pages out. KatieLeeBooks.com, romantic suspense novelist. She's writing higher purpose stories at a high speed. We'll be back again next week with our Stoner Spectacular. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Motherhood 